If you're looking for a way to help birds or take your support to the next level, this May, I would love for you to join the Birds Canada Birdathon. It's easy to participate in and helps raise thousands of dollars for bird conservation. Learn more at birdscanada.org slash birdathon. Now let's get to the episode. You're listening to The Warblers, a Birds Canada podcast. I'm Andrea Gress. Join me and others as we travel on common flight paths with our guests, gaining insights and inspiration from the world of birds and bird conservation in Canada. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Warblers podcast. Today, we've got a mini episode for you. Uh, so you might recall the last episode featured Paul Riss telling us about how he's combined art with birding and sort of his punk rock attitude to try and shift the stereotypes that typically revolve around birding and the birders and the birding world. Ultimately, he's made a life and a career out of being kind of an atypical birder. And it's a really cool episode, a really fun conversation. So be sure to go listen to that episode if you haven't already. Today we're on kind of a similar thread, but a little bit different. We are chatting with Adam Dalla, who is also doing big things in the birding world. He's thinking outside the box to try and encourage conservation efforts and get more people interested in birds. Now, the big difference between these guys is that Paul has been doing this for many years. Like I said, he's made a life out of it. While Adam, who we're chatting with today, is just starting out. Adam is a 17-year-old high school senior and an avid birder living in British Columbia. Adam's always been interested in the convergence between conservation and technology, which led him to develop a really cool game called Find the Birds. You can check it out at findthebirds.com. It's a free educational game for children about birds and about protecting their habitats. And it's available on various apps and on Steam. So it's super accessible and a lot of fun to play, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Adam has delivered seminars on the game's impact on conservation education for the International Ornithological Congress, the Audubon Society, Science World, and so many more. And to keep the momentum going, Adam's also launched a spin-off of the game called Find the Whales, uh, and as you might guess, that one's about ocean conservation. But we are here to talk about birds. So welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thanks for having me on. How you doing? I hear high school students are extra busy these days. Do you find you get some time to go out birding? Yeah, you're definitely right about the busyness part. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's really been recently about trying to just kind of integrate a little bit of bird stuff in kind of daily life because I have no time right now to go on like a whole trip somewhere to go birding. So it's been mostly just stuff like having the window open so I can listen to stuff outside. Maybe the best treat recently is uh, uh, having barred owls. Uh, I'm not sure if they're nesting, but they've been around here for a very long time and listening to them do the who cooks for y'all calls like all night long for a good few week period uh, a couple weeks back uh, it's just kind of you know getting to know my little backyard area and my my neighborhood pretty well that's lovely there's something about listening to owls in the night that is extra special absolutely so before we get into the really cool projects that you're involved in could you tell me how you got into birds like do you have a spark bird story perhaps for sure so i think with all interests um 
oftentimes yeah, there's the idea of a spark bird and a bird that kind of led you to find this whole world of bird watching. Oftentimes I think something that's, that's, uh, that's left out is kind of this idea of, of immersion in a way in, in the natural world before you're a spark bird. Um, I live in Vancouver, Canada. I've been privileged to be surrounded by nature since I was a little kid. And even before becoming interested in birds and nature, I was always a part of this uh, kind of natural area. I would always go to parks. My parents would take me to parks. And even though I wasn't listening for birds, um, it was always a, a kind of natural environment. So I, I often I isolate uh, 2011 as my year that I really got into birding with the snowy owl eruption down uh, to Canada in the lower 48. Uh, where we had to think about a dozen snowy owls land an hour away from my home. And I went to see Very them. Cool. Uh, and yeah, that was a big kind of watershed moment for me. Yeah, I like that a lot. I also grew up around nature. And so, you know, birding wasn't necessarily a big part of my childhood, but nature and just being out in it was huge. And, and that's definitely shaped a lot of who I am today. So you were named in 2018, you were named the American Birding Association Young Birder of the Year. You must have been pretty young when that happened, hey? Yeah, I was, uh, it was, it was 2023 now. So I think I was around 13, 14 at the time. Yeah, cool. So tell me more about that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, up until that point, uh, I've heard of the ABA. I mean, it's kind of like the unofficial or official kind of regulator of sightings and uh, I watched the movie The Big Year when I was a kid and like and a lot of the people who, you know, work in that and manage sightings and lists and records and uh, classifications is the ABA. So I was always kind of aware of them. Uh, but I think uh, uh, winning that was uh, a great opportunity to kind of be formally anointed into this kind of world of, of birding and uh, more specifically, bird conservation. Uh, one of the it was one of the biggest steps in the development of this game because I think I was about two years into the concept at that point. And uh, for the uh, for the ABA award for young birders, there's a uh, there's a bird conservation section. Uh, so trying, I put my game into that section. I entered my game into that section, and that gave me a really good opportunity to flesh out the idea a lot more, have kind of a formal uh, formal pitch in a way. Uh, and then also after winning it to be able to discuss with uh, the people of the folks at the ABA uh, on getting some feedback, some early feedback and even some early connections on uh, creating this game. So uh, kind of uh, tactically in a way, it was really helpful for the game, but it was also just a great, uh, a great uh, opportunity to be introduced to these uh, really uh, real greats in birding. And also, uh, I guess one of the other benefits is getting a pair of Leica binoculars, which I still use. Nice. <laughs> A little, a little prize is always good, but it sounds like the real prize is the networking and getting to meet some, some really awesome birders. For sure. Yeah. Very, very cool. So yeah, we keep talking about this game. Uh, you launched it a few years ago. It's a free educational mobile game uh, about birds and conservation called Find the Birds. Uh, so tell me more about what inspired it. It sounds like it's, it's been in the works for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as a kid... Uh, I started off just being interested in, in birds and, and kind of collecting sightings and that kind of love of collecting eventually sprouted into love of recording. Uh, and I became interested in photography and, and wildlife photography. But I think unavoidably when you spend so much time uh, looking for things and, and spending time around birds, you, you, 
uh, you inevitably become kind of more privy to their threats and, and, you know, their habit. So kind of through that process, I realized, okay, so a lot of birds are in trouble in terms of, you know, formal endangered classification and also just habitats disappearing. But I think a kind of an exacerbating force was always that it didn't feel like people my age were getting into birding and kind of getting into conservation through birding. So I thought there's a need, there needs to be a way to kind of increase the, the engagement in a way of, of my generation. Uh, so I was about kind of 11-ish when I was thinking this, because there wasn't many 11-year-olds out there. I probably could count on my hands the amount of people around that age, which I saw out in the field. Um, so I thought, okay, there needs to be a way to get these people interested, this potential kind of audience for bird watching. Uh, I also thought uh, I was playing lots of games at the time, as any kid does, and especially like iPad games and stuff. And I thought that birding was kind of a natural gamifiable activity. I mean, I was playing like, I really loved Pokemon at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, birding is pretty much just Pokemon, yeah. uh, but in real life. So I thought, hey, there's, you know, there's this natural tendency, uh, like kind of zoophilia is, is what uh, Ed Wilson called it. Uh, f- to kind of collect, to, to, to collect observations of things, uh, and which everyone has, even though they might not think they have. That's why birding is so popular. Um, and I thought we can kind of draw on that in terms of creating a game where you actually formally go into habitats. Uh, but the real important thing is that it wouldn't be angry birds, no, no, mm-hmm. uh, no uh, shade to angry birds. Um, but it'd be real birds. It'd be real locations. So you'd be going to real places. You wouldn't be going to like some made up forest in a made up land. You'd be going to uh, Vancouver. You're going to I don't know, Pacific Spirit Regional Park or, or Stanley Park or somewhere like that. And you'd be seeing real birds with real information. Uh, and that eventually led to a partnership with, with Cornell and all that to get some stuff from the Macaulay Library. Uh, real images, real sounds, real video clips of birds. So uh, through this kind of fun experience, I think edutainment was kind of the the word we used. Uh, you would become uh, you'd become kind of immersed immersed into this bird world, um, uh, kind of through that. And the eventual goal of the game, and we often had trouble with this pitching to game companies, would be uh, people to put down the game, uh, which is kind of counterintuitive. Uh, but we didn't want people playing this game forever. Uh, so so the final step of this would be them to go outside. So really the game was thought of as a stepping stone to the natural world. Mm, I like that, yeah. And I mean, it's so obvious too, right? You look at how successful something like Pokemon is. Why not link it to the real birds that are out there? Because once people start paying attention, there's a lot of really cool birds in our own backyards that, you know, we don't necessarily pay attention to. So that it's such a great idea to just bring it home for people. Do you feel like it's gone quite well? Um, Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's taken a lot of time to get to where it is right now. Uh, I started, came up with the concept kind of at the end of 2015, 2016. So that's like six, seven years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And came up with the concept then and for a good, four or five year period was mostly just doing concept artwork and uh, kind of refining the pitch in a way my, my art style got better uh, for uh, kind of honed in on something that was simultaneously kind of cartoonish and, and especially, uh, you know, children would be, would like, but also 
anyone could, any birder could look at one of those bird drawings and say, oh, that's a tricolored blackbird or, or, you know, identify two species. So kind of finding that balance was a lot of what, uh, to uh, what I spent my time on during those years and, you know, strengthening connections. And again, it was, it was a hard thing because trying to get a game company involved, uh, was tough and trying to get an NGO involved was tough because both had never seen something like it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that five-year period was mostly spent just trying to do stuff and not necessarily doing much, uh, but really hit the, the, the kind of watershed moment in 2021 uh, where uh, we were able to get grant funding from the government and uh, in just four months put together a team of animators and coders and put together the first level. And since then, uh, we've launched a variety of levels with a variety of uh, amazing uh, people. Uh, and we've released a PC version with Birds Canada. Uh, and uh, it's been uh, really great since then. It's so cool. I'm just going to reiterate for listeners that you're 17 uh, and this this is where you're at. You've got a game, a team of people working on this thing. Uh, it's That's incredible. Uh, so changing the subject a little bit, you are a self-described activist. How do you feel about the future of birding and conservation here in Canada? I mean, I think in in ways it's positive and negative. Obviously, we tend to focus on the negatives, which is kind of the job of an activist, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, can't be blamed. Um, but I think in terms of the kind of wide swath of tools that we're going to be able to utilize in this kind of fight or whatever you want to characterize it as for birds and conservation habitats is growing and uh, the kind of huge swaths of data given to us by things like eBird and other citizen science projects gives a totally new way to do not just ornithological studies, but also ecological and conservation studies. We can look at massive macro changes in populations and such, which would have been completely impossible before. Um, but now we can do things and, and map populations over time in ways that could never have happened before and kind of uh, see the effects of our actions in real time almost. Um, so things like that, obviously not good enough alone to stop the several things that are driving birds to extinction around the world. But it definitely gives a larger uh, a set of tools that we can use to try and do that. I think uh, the rise of birding is undeniable, although it might not necessarily be in the youngest age group. Uh, definitely people are getting more involved. I think maybe the most, I, I think one of them, you know, it's not the biggest threat, but I think something that at least is overlooked uh, in younger kids is kind of, maybe this kind of scary trend to kind of instant gratification and such. I sound like a, sound like a boomer when I'm talking about this, but, (laughs) um, but it is definitely a concern that doesn't work in the favor of birding. Uh, And I think that's definitely something that uh, needs to be worked on in a way. I think collectively as a society, we're becoming more uh, kind of used to this instance. I mean, you can point to whatever example you want, TikTok or, or whatever, but just in general, Uh, this kind of shift to instant gratification, which is not what birding is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is something that we're kind of fighting against. And that's one of the reasons why if you didn't make the game, uh, you know, just like a million birds appearing on the screen and you just tap them. I mean, obviously it's a little exaggerated from real birding uh, just to make it, you know, a game. Um, But, uh, but it's, it's not going overboard. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's one of the kind of conditioning to become less dependent on that instant gratification, not just for birds. I think it's a broad social issue, um, but definitely it's one that affects birding and and people becoming interested in birding and therefore conservation and bird conservation. Yeah, the instant gratification thing is actually a very, very interesting challenge that I, I see it in myself, too, that I have less patience for so many things, you know, I, I like the instant gratification. Um, but I do feel like some of the apps and things we've got for birding can help feed that a little bit. You know, people can go in their backyard and turn on the Merlin sound ID and get the gratification of like just hearing what's, yeah. you know, help getting help to hear what's around them uh, and learning that way. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting challenge that you raised, but also, you've raised how there's so many cool tools and so much knowledge and data that we have at our fingertips. So it's, it sounds like I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. I feel like you've got some optimism there too, hey? Definitely, yeah. Cool, very cool. So I got to ask, what's next for you? You must be graduating soon? Yes, I'm graduating this year, holy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am graduating this year uh, and I'll be going to university somewhere. Uh, I think uh, I'm definitely poised to do uh, kind of weirdly, this always kind of catches people off guard because a lot of people have heard of my work mostly through conservation. Um, but uh, I'm interested in doing mathematics and AI. Uh, I mean, I talked, I think, briefly about the use of AI and such in bird studies, um, but also just this kind of broad idea of uh, of um, of utilizing again vast swaths of data in bird conservation, and also going on the AI side now and seeing to how we can improve those tools and apply them back to bird conservation is something that interests me. Like, there's so many different ways you can build a profession and a life around being interested in birds. And yeah, I think definitely. you're you're like well underway. I'm 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 excited. I feel good that we got folks like you in the future going to be working on some of these hard math problems and AI things. And uh, I think it's going to really come together for us if lots of lots of kids like you are out there. So on that note, thank you so much for joining, Adam. It's been kind of fun learning more about this game and and what drives you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to rant about what I love. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, listeners can go and play the game. That's your homework. It's real tough. (laughs) You can download and play Find the Birds on the Apple App Store, on Google Play, or on Steam. And please remember, it is free. So go check it out. The Warblers is a podcast of Birds Canada. Our goal is to bring you the information you need to discover, enjoy, and protect birds. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Birds Canada relies on the support of donors like you. Visit birdscanada.org slash warblerspodcast to make a donation today. The Warblers is produced by Jody Allaire, Ruth Friendship Keller, Kate Dogleash, Chris Koo, and Andrea Gress, with music by Jose Mora and art by Alex Nichol. Until next time, keep birding.